folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. to another episode of Purple Insider in which we will break down every COVID-related thought that Kirk Cousins has ever had with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. What's going on, Sam? Finally, my expertise comes to the fore. <laughs> well, I'll say this, and this is all I really want to say about it because I'm not an epidemiologist either, and I don't know a whole lot about how Kirk Cousins' line of logic exactly works after even talking to him as a follow-up to his Kyle Brandt interview because I just couldn't quite put together the pieces of what he was trying to say. But he wears a mask even though he's not that personally afraid of COVID. So you all should do the same. There you go. If you're not that afraid of COVID, wear a mask anyway because it might impact someone else. That's what Cousins said and that's all I got for you, other than not being surprised at all that Cousins would say something that could be misconstrued, because this happens all the time. Last year, he broke down his rookie center's butt sweat for the media. Like, that's <laughs> something you do in the locker room, not in front of the entire media, because you know it's going to end up on ESPN, or at least most people do, not Kirk Cousins. Yeah, the two silver linings, I guess, are one, at least he was saying at the end of it all, I still wear a mask because, you know, other people aren't as cavalier about it as I am. So fair play, right? If you're going to have that kind of opinion, at least recognize that it isn't all about you, which he did. The second silver lining is that Kirk Cousins basically used the same line as Ivan Drago did. And that's probably the only two times or the only time those two guys are ever going to be comparable in their entire lives. So it was worth it just to make, just to be able to be compared to Ivan Drago at any point in your life, that's worth doing. You know, that's a great point. And with Cousins, 
He has always struggled with this. I think he always will struggle with this, of how he phrases things, how he answers questions. And sometimes I think that his mouth works a little bit faster than his brain. And I've found this even with press conferences that he's done with us, post-game press conferences. And I think it's just part of who he is that he struggles with this and there are other people you know Aaron Rodgers did a two-hour interview the same way with uh, Kyle Brandt and Rodgers just handles those types of things so well and so calmly and just eases his way through them and he'll make some headlines but it won't even really matter and with Cousins I think part of it too is his reputation that everyone sees him as a little bit aloof and things like that. So it just kind of confirms what they already think of Cousins, and then it blows up. So at the end of the day, he's wearing a mask, he's going through the protocols, and he's going to try to stay on the field. I shrug my shoulders at the rest. Now, the reason that you are on is because you wrote about Cousins, and you guys did a great preview on your podcast, Sam, uh, about the NFC North, in which you said the Bears are obviously winning because they have the best quarterback situation. I'm just kidding. But you leaving the door open for that was questionable, Sam, for the for the uh, Chicago Bears to win the division. Yeah, and I was just listening to our colleagues on the forecast there, Eric and George, and you know they kind of made a similar point, which is if you put Matthew Stafford on the Bears, they would be by far the favorites for the division. You know their problem has been quarterback, and I think look, I'm not sold that Nick Foles is a dramatic upgrade over Trubisky. But I think the difference between the two of them is that you're probably going to get good Nick Foles for a stretch, right? It might not, the baseline might not be much different, but good Nick Foles is incredible. Bad Nick Foles is abysmal, but you're already getting abysmal with Mitch Trubisky. So you might as well shoot for the upside and hope that you can ride the good Nick Foles for a period. And then the other thing I think that's worth noting about Foles is that, look, he's all over the map in terms of what you're going to get out of him on a, a week-to-week performance. but he does have a pretty consistent track record of excelling within quarterback-friendly systems, right? So systems that have a track record of making life easier for their quarterbacks and generally making them look better than they are, Foles seems to be particularly um, susceptible to being manipulated by those offenses. And I think fundamentally the Chicago Bears offense with Matt Nagy is that offense. Like they've had to – dumb it down to try and and rescue Trubisky and it hasn't worked in fact if anything I think it's compounded the problems and just meant that not only do you now have a bad quarterback but you have a bad system backing him up but I think the basis of that system is still sound and could theoretically make Foles look a lot better than we traditionally expect him to look so yeah I I think if the Bears dramatically take a step forward at quarterback they're going to be way better than we're anticipating them being because the roster is pretty good. Yeah, and and how many teams in Bears history have come short of their uh, talent for the whole roster just because they had some schmuck at quarterback? I was just watching the other day uh, one of the mid-'90s NFL Films recaps in which Dave Craig and uh, Eric Kramer spit, uh, split the snaps. I mean, just think about like where you're at with old Dave Craig and Eric Kramer. And they had a bunch of other good players, like Curtis Conway was good, a bunch of good guys on defense, as they always have. And they went seven and nine. And that, that's kind of where I would expect them. But I wanted to compare and contrast Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Stafford with you, Sam, because I love the question, which one of these three guys would you take for the next five years? Maybe we could start there. Stafford, Rodgers, or Cousins? So I've been, yeah, I've written about each one of these guys 
relatively recently, and I've, I've kind of been thinking more deeply about what they are as quarterbacks because of that. And I, I think it's, it's kind of fascinating because – so Matthew Stafford, I think everyone's really high on him right now because the last thing we saw from him was phenomenal, right? But last year, I think what we saw from him was unsustainable in terms of what we're going to see in 2020 and beyond. He had, for half a season, he had basically the highest average depth of target. If, he, if he'd sustained that for a whole season, it would be the highest figure we've ever seen at PFF, right? So that's going to come down. Um, but the other thing is, not only was it incredibly high, but he was insanely productive while he was doing that. It was like that 2015 Carson Palmer season in Arizona where, again, he was right up there in terms of average depth of target and for some reason was just absurdly efficient doing that at the intermediate level. Like, I don't know that we've ever seen that before. And Stafford was at that kind of level before he got hurt and got, and got put on the shelf. So I just – I don't think that either of those two things will end up in the same area as they, as they were going forward. So you're, you sort of have to temper your expectation with Stafford a bit more to what you're used to seeing. Um, with Rodgers, the question is, well, look, Rodgers at his best is a transcendent Patrick Mahomes type of talent. That's how he was being talked about back in 2010, 11, 2014 even. But I think everyone accepts that guy isn't there anymore. Um, but the, what what is there? What can you get out of the current Aaron Rodgers? And why has he declined to the level he is? Because the physical tools are all still kind of there. Like he can still move around. His arm is still insane. Like why is he not that guy anymore? Um, I think, honestly, the reason he's he's just sort of developed some bad habits and and got in a rut and you know if you've been doing the same bad habit for five years it's hard to just snap out of that and, and change and the, the 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 bad habits that he has were always a sort of element of his game they were just it didn't matter when he was playing as well as he was right he always had a tendency to take more sacks um, and offset interceptions with sacks and take some sort of hidden negative plays between sacks and throwaways but when you were playing as well as he was at his best, like it didn't matter. It was just a feature of his play. But now you know that there's some missing meat on the bone. So now maybe it's an issue, right? It's, well, okay, we're trying to find this missing um, percentage of play from Rodgers. Well, here's a, here's a percentage we could get, right? It's those negative plays that he was making before. Um, so I think really we're still left wondering with Rodgers how far back can, towards his old self can he get and how much is his fault? And then Cousins, the conversation's really interesting because I've been sort of pondering the term intangibles recently, right? And intangibles, I think, in my head was this term that, you know, old football guys like the, like the Moneyball movie, the scouts who were talking about bad face and that kind of thing. It's a term that they would use, right? And it's not it's, – it's a, it's a cop-out term for something that you can't really figure out how to measure. Um, and I think – there's some truth in that, but I think what it is is that it's possible to measure it. It's just you need to dive deeper and find the ways in which it manifests. And between doing our, our Joe Montana versus Steve Young podcast and, and then diving into Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr as well, you watch Derek Carr and you watch Kirk Cousins, and it's clear there's just something missing, right? There's something between them and being great quarterbacks, even when, like, if you toss out week two, the Green Bay game last year, Kirk Cousins, I think, was our number one graded quarterback in the NFL. Like, he was playing as well as anybody for almost all of the season. But again, over, overall, when you look at him play, you, you, everyone knows. You still know there's, there's something not there that is there 
with a Patrick Mahomes or a Russell Wilson or whatever it is. And when I started to dive into the numbers, you know, I, I don't have a, a clear grasp of what it is. But what I can tell you is that Kirk Cousins from a clean pocket when the situation is good and he's not under pressure is probably as good as any quarterback in the NFL putting the ball where it needs to go. But the more disadvantageous you make the situation for him, the worse he plays. So whether it's the fourth quarter where the pressure is building, whether it's third downs, whether it's play under pressure, whether, you know, any of these things where it's, it's a harder thing for the quarterback to play, he gets progressively worse step by step. And, you know, I, part of this, the stuff you were talking about, it's not inconsequential. This idea that he might be a phenomenal X's and O's brain. And you remember, I don't know if you saw this, but he did like a, an online only, I think, TV series with quarterback prospects. And he was sort of walking these guys through X's and O's. And I was incredibly impressed by the processing that he had and the grasp of plays. And, you know, he asked, Kurt Benkert maybe was the guy, and he asked this guy, what's your favorite play in college? And he, he draws it up on the whiteboard, and he goes, yeah, you see, that's what we call – he named it in like two or three different offenses in the NFL. That's what they call it in Washington. And then in Minnesota, we call it this. And, and then he starts coaching him through, like, you know, in the college, you're just viewing this guy. But in the NFL, you have to look two guys further down the line because that's what's going to determine who's breaking on that football. So from an X's and O's standpoint, he's as good as anybody. But again, there's something missing, right? And it's, I think there's, sort of, there's a few different ways of mentally processing things. There's, there's that football intelligence, but there's also something that I've never really understood how to articulate it. But it's being able to just react really quickly without when things go against you without having to think about it and make the right decision all the time. And I relate it to soccer a lot, that there's guys that they always have time, you know, particularly in the middle of the field where guys are coming and pressuring them, there are certain guys where it just doesn't make any difference. They just know how to turn away from you, how to make a little subtle movement, and they're never really under pressure. And there's other guys where when you pressure them, they go to hell, and it's, they panic, and they make bad decisions, and it all goes south. I think quarterback play involves a lot of whatever that type of brain is. And I think one of the biggest sort of missing – or one of the most difficult things to evaluate in quarterback play is that it's very hard to quantify that. And it's why, you know, they've tried the, with the wonder Lake, they try and get them up on the whiteboard. They try all these things to try and sort of simulate that thought process in quarterbacks. But ultimately I don't know if you're ever able to figure it out. until you throw them out on a field for a thousand snaps and see how, it, how it pans out. Want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. You know, uh, I'll put it this way. It's kind of like students in school where you have – the one student who does all the homework and works extremely hard and ends up with straight A's, that's Kirk Cousins. And then your other student can't really stick with the structure of school very well, but you put them in an art class and then they draw something brilliantly. Like I I think there are 
different types of brains that people have. Now, maybe per, uh, Patrick Mahomes is like the perfect, and, and that's right. when you have Joe Montana, Pat, Patrick yeah. Mahomes, Steve Young, is when those two things come together. But I think Kirk is missing creativity in his game. And, and so we do equate it to other things, and he's certainly not the best leader I've ever been around. But, you know, that's probably overstated in some ways. I think it really comes down to do you have that creativity in you? Do, do you have the athleticism to be creative? That's another part of it, too, because I don't think that he generally does. If you're talking about, like, basketball players, there are some basketball players who on the fly can just – you know, the no-look pass or do a dribble move that you've never seen before or bend so close to the ground to dribble by somebody where you're mind-blown. And, and a lot of that is creativity and athleticism coming together. I think he's short on that. He is very high on footwork detail, X's and O's. But the other part of it, too, is when the other team throws him a coverage that he didn't expect, and this happened in New England in 2018, he got this coverage from Belichick where he's like, uh, what do I do here? Everyone's walking around before the play. They're daring us to run, and I don't know where the coverage is going. You saw him kind of seize up a little bit. And so I think that with the difference between Stafford, Rodgers, and Cousins is the other two have an answer when the other team does what hurts them. But yeah. Cousins does not have an answer. So, so that's the thing is I don't – I get what you're saying about creativity, but I think there's, a, there's another element to it as well. It's not just the ability to improvise and to get creative and to do something outside of the box. It's the ability to do it quickly on the fly when what you thought was going to happen is not happening or when suddenly there's a new variable that you weren't prepared for. I think one of the reasons that I'm kind of aware or I think about this more than a lot of people is I know for a fact I'm in the Kirk Cousins side of that bracket right from my very limited modest sporting history I know full well that when things unfold the way I was expecting them to in my brain I'm five times better than they did when suddenly stuff goes something a curveball was thrown at you and you have to adjust what you were expecting to happen on the fly I know I'm bad at that but if if I don't have to go to that I'm a hell of a lot better and there are, I've seen people where the reverse is true right there are people that I know when, you know, when they get put in those pressure situations, you, you can't even notice. It doesn't phase them at all. But I think that's the thing that Cousins is missing. It's really hard to identify where that shows up in numbers and in situations and in statistics and all these kinds of things. But I think that's what we see when we look at the film and you go, there's just something missing for this guy. There's a reason, like, even if his PFF grade ranks him in the top five over a full 16-game slate, we all know that that's not the guy you want in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter when the pressure's on. And I think that's what it is that we're seeing. Whereas with Rodgers, we've seen in the past he does have that. With Stafford, I think he has it as well. It's maybe a little bit less consistent. But then I think Stafford in general is a little bit less consistent. But definitely those two guys certainly have that. Well, I wanted to ask you about Stafford because we've talked on this show a lot about Aaron Rodgers because he is interesting and the biggest nemesis of the franchise for a long time. Stafford, I think that people just all kind of agree, like, yeah, he's good, but he does have, not, you know, maybe analytics will hate this, but he does have a below 500 record during his career. He has done less winning in the playoffs than Kirk Cousins, but he sort of has more of a, a perception of a guy that should be a winner, I think, when people talk about him. And, and I wonder what you think that gap is. Like, is it entirely the Lions organization? Because I could be sold on that. I mean, they are right down at the bottom with, with Jacksonville, 
Washington team name here. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Jets. I mean, they are among the bottom franchises. But I wonder how many years of that same excuse we can give to Matt Stafford without acknowledging there are holes in the guy's game. Yeah, I don't think you can put it all down to the Lions, but I think it's it's definitely worth making the point that, hey, it's the Lions. You know, there's a reason that they are one of the butts of the joke franchises. You know, you articulated them, the Browns, the Lions. These are the teams that people joke about, and that's for a reason. So Stafford has been working against that for most of his career. On the other hand, when you look at the tools that he has, right, if you were building a quarterback prospect in a lab you know Stafford would be right up there in terms of all the things you're looking for a cannon for an arm he's enough he's mobile enough to get you know things done when it breaks down he's got everything you want but for some reason he's never been able to put it all together and be the player that people expect him to be and I think because you see flashes of it so consistently it's easy for people to think that that's what he always is you know so when we see really good Matthew Stafford, and that's part of the other thing is he's always had those games where he, where he does put it all together, and it's like, wow, this guy's amazing. Uh, if you catch enough of those, you could easily be convinced that Matthew Stafford is a lot better than he is. But he's never been able to weed out that inconsistency from his game. It's just it leaves me anyway frustrated because you look at him and you say, why, why are you not able to do this every week? Um, because it's not like you only get those games against the worst teams in the NFL. You know, the, the, there's no rhyme or reason as to which teams he decides to show up for and, and look like the player that we think he can be. But it just doesn't happen week in, week out. And so you're left with this idea of, you know, perpetually that this guy should be better than he is. He should be a top five quarterback. And he can be. And we see stretches of it, but it just never lasts. And that's that's kind of why, you know, there's a lot of people, the forecast guys are there in terms of the Lions are a really good value bet for the NFC North this year because Stafford was playing so well and there's enough around him that if he does pick up in 2020 the way he left off in 2019, the Lions are going to be hard to beat. And you're like, yeah, but like, I'm just, I'm, I've been bitten so many times by this, expecting Stafford to continue and it always regresses back into something less than what you're thinking so I, I I'm until I see it I'm always going to take the default of yeah I mean it does rely on Stafford doing that and therefore it's probably not going to happen so I'm always trying to think of different ways to sort of categorize quarterbacks and then you know do a little mind experiment and see how it plays out and one thing I was thinking about actually watching some basketball is certain players give you a chance to go so far and give you so like X percentage of games where they'll win for you. I think that quarterbacks are kind of that way. Like Patrick Mahomes in a season will give you 14 games that you can win and only two that maybe he doesn't play that well. And even then you might still win, right? Whereas Cousins, he'll probably give you 10 shots to win uh, you know, that many games. And if everything else goes good, you play defense, you make your field goals, he doesn't get a fumble return for touchdown, you win 10. And I think of the same thing with Stafford. It's like he probably gives you 10 or 11 chances to win, but his team is usually trash, so they get seven or they get eight, or they get six, right? And so a couple years, he's given you 10 shots, and they've gotten 10 wins and gone to the playoffs. But then there's usually on the other side a guy who gives you 13 shots or 14 shots that you know, you're not going to match up that well against, or a great defense. And I've always felt that both of those guys, Cousins 
and Stafford, what's different from Rodgers is if you have a great defense, you can stop them, whereas Rodgers, you might have a great defense, and he'll beat you anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's almost two numbers to look at, right? There's how many games a season is the quarterback going to win on his own for you? Like, how many games is that guy capable of taking the team on his shoulders and balling out, and it almost doesn't matter what anybody else does, you're winning. And then the other question is, okay, and then how many games is he going to lose for you because he doesn't show up at all? Like, what is his baseline? How many games are you going to win just because he's your quarterback and he's going to play at a sufficiently high level that you're probably going to beat a lot of teams? So that's where I come. Like, I don't know that the answer to the first question for a guy like Gardner Minshew, right? I don't know that he has a single win in him in terms of being able to carry a team when all else has gone to hell around him. On the other hand, I think he might get you to like five or six just by having a baseline high enough that he's, that you're going to be in all those games. So like his first number would be like zero, but his second number would be pretty high. And he almost is like a tank proof quarterback because I don't think his baseline is low enough that you're going to lose enough games to get the number one overall pick. Cousins would be like, you know, a Minshew plus he's his first number is probably not actually that high, but his second number I think is really high. Like, he is going to, he's not going to be the reason that you lose like what, 12, 13, 14 games. Like you're going to be in pretty much every game where Kirk Cousins is your quarterback. The question is going to be like, how many can he win when everything goes to hell around him? And I think you're talking about a low single digit figure for him. And how good I think of this too, how good would the team around you have to be in order for him to get to a Super Bowl is always a question too, because if you run into a team that's better, you're probably not going to win. And that's been the case really throughout his whole career. All right. So why don't you finish where we started? Because you didn't exactly answer the question. Next five years, rank them. Okay. And you you know what? Yeah. Throw in Trubisky slash Foles if you want to. <laughs> I'm not well, Trubisky is last because like you know. <laughs> They're still playing this pretense that that's a quarterback competition. If it is, you might as well just pack up and go home this year. Because Okay, let me add this then. Throw in Jordan Love to this. So rank them for the next five years, and you get to throw in Jordan Love. Five years. So I do think that we've reached this point of inevitable decline for Rodgers. We might see a bounce back 2020, but his arrow's on the way down. This might be a blip back up, but it's it's heading backwards. Now, his starting position was so high that even heading that backwards, he's pretty high, right? So, uh, next five years, I, I honestly might lean Kirk Cousins number one, scary as that is. Um, I think he might be the most dependent of all the quarterbacks in terms of supporting cast and situation. Um, but I think if you give him those things, he might have the highest baseline and a reasonably high ceiling. So, I think I would lean with Cousins. Stafford for five years. Let's lean with Rodgers over Stafford. I don't, I haven't seen enough in Jordan Love to believe that he's in the conversation to be in that discussion. I mean, he needs to A, last and B, you know, get a shot to even, to even be in the the discussion. You're not going to like those three guys in five years time are still going to be viable. We don't even know if Jordan Love is viable at any point in his NFL career yet. I think I would go Rodgers first, even if I know the last three years might be awful because he, if I gave yeah. him the right team, could give you know me a shot. And I and I don't think the Packers are any longer the right team for him. Um, so I mean Rodgers this year, if I'm right in terms of this year is a bounce back for him, and he shows like one last glimpse of why he was so special a few years ago. 
that on its own could be worth taking him number one, right? Like Rodgers this year could be the quarterback that drags you to a Super Bowl. And I don't think you're, I don't think you're ever going to see that from Cousins or Stafford. Like Stafford at least has the potential that maybe he could put it all together one year. Cousins, I don't even think in an ideal scenario, you know, if everything aligns, just has that in him. I don't think he's going to be a quarterback ever that drags a team to a Super Bowl that it doesn't deserve to be there anyway. And I don't think we're going to see – this is maybe a hot take. I'm not even sure we ever see Jordan Love start a game. I think he might turn into Brian Brom part two for the Packers. So uh, Sam Monson, always great. Your guys' podcast, you and Steve Palazzo, terrific. And I highly advise people to go find your article on Kirk Cousins if you want a little um, excitement for the season or maybe to not read what he thinks about COVID. Those would be two things you could do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 definitely a way to spend an afternoon discussing the Kirk Cousins COVID uh, debacle. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer not. All right, Sam. Great stuff. Follow you already know on Twitter, PFF underscore Sam, and uh, we'll do it again soon, man. This is great. Absolutely, sounds good. Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first, you've always counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely at your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants also are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees for your first order when you download the DoorDash app at the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game and every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. One of my favorite people to bring on the show, and I'm so glad that we could finally do this, Peter Carline for the Daily Mail in uh, the Queen's country. What do you call it? What do you call England? What's some nicknames for England? Land of... Hope and glory. Really? Uh, okay. Else? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> England's green and pleasant land. There you okay. go. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the second biggest Vikings fan in England's pleasant green land. Um, yeah. Something maybe, like that. Maybe. Some, yeah. You're a top 10 with. at least. Well, yeah, it's got to be. Got to anyway, be. But I, I want to know your, your big picture thought here on the Vikings, Peter, because um, it's quite the change for this year. You go from a team that had all the same players year in and year out. You knew everybody's Mm -hmm. number and background information and everything that happened. And then all of a sudden you kind of flip a switch and there's a lot of new faces. So I want to start there with what your take is on where we should have expectations for this year with so many new people in such a weird circumstance. 
Well, we've got we've got continuity at, at head coach and general manager. So Mike Zimmer, as we all know, has seen it all <laughs> in his tenure as Vikings coach. He's had eye surgeries and Teddy Bridgewaters and, and all the rest of it. So this this is just a, another kind of regular year for him in in many kind of ways. I I understand why you know it, it, they couldn't keep. Stefan Diggs, he wanted to leave, and they seem to have you know, re- replaced him. You're not going to replace, you're not going to replace Diggs, who is pretty much. You know, him and Thielen together were so good. Losing him is going to hurt, but the 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 decision of the under, perfectly understandable decision of Michael Pierce was a, must have been a massive kick in the teeth to kicking teeth. Perhaps the wrong place, a, 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 a real body blow because you've. you've You've let Limval go, who, you know, is just, uh, he's great, wasn't he? He was a, just a, just an incredible human being and, 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 and such a fixture of the Vikings. And then you say, okay, we've got a ready replacement here. And then, oh, uh, uh, interior of the defensive line now. It's a bit of a problem there. Our teams might be able to run against this lot because they've always seemed to be able to, you know, it would, and then, and then there's the uh, revolving door of the offensive line as well, which it's you know for all the the sim- for all the complications of the game and the nuances, it, it pretty much boils down to if you've got a, a de- it's one in the trenches, isn't it? You need a good offensive line, you need a good defensive line, and that they're my red flags with the Vikings. But the defensive line, you've thought, okay, you know, there's no Everson there as well. No, you're losing a massive personality. All right, he had his his off year, but he came back for the first 12 games of the last year. He was brilliant. He's gone too. So, yeah, there are a lot of changes, and you, they're not ones that are going to seem to be easily solvable. The offensive line, not easily solvable ever for the Minnesota Vikings, it seems. And uh, that, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this because, um, you know, I think it's fair to look at these holes and say, how is that going to work out? How's it going to play out? If it's the left guard, if it's the nose tackle, that's not the same. And, and there are these kind of percentage points that you lose by not having Michael Pierce as much as the team wants to tell us Shamar Stefan is, you know, I don't know, a Pro Bowl talent, but he's not Michael Pierce. You paid Michael Pierce for a reason, and he was an impact player for the Baltimore Ravens. I would have suspected he would have been here, and now you're moving a guy a position who was playing three technique last year to the nose tackle and Shamar Stefan to play there. But, you know, if they give up a, a few more runs that go for five to seven yards, I don't think that that's killing you. But if they get the same performance from the interior of the offensive line as they did last year, that's killing you. And my question for you is, on Kirk Cousins, I mean, what's sort of your feeling on what's fair to, to expect from him when you haven't changed the fundamental thing that has gotten him, his kryptonite, the interior of the offensive line, and you take away his best receiver. As much as I like some of the other players who are mixed in here, Alexander Hollins, Tajay Sharp, Chad Beebe, there's all things to like about each one of them. But, you know, if, you're, yeah, if you're expecting Justin Jefferson to be Stephon Diggs right away, that is probably setting the bar way too high. But I yeah. also think, you extended Kirk Cousins because you thought you could keep winning with Kirk Cousins, so we shouldn't lower the bar for him and say, well, you know, they traded Diggs so he can have a down year here. Yeah, um, this time last year, he pretty much had everything he wanted, he, he, could, he needed to, to function at his highest level. 
you you know Dalvin Cook, Diggs, and again we've taken. We, I mean the, the Dalvin Cook thing. We'll come to that, I'm sure. Yeah, the offensive line. It's um it's a worry because uh, Cousins he, he isn't the most mobile of fellows, is he? Particularly when they come at him straight through the middle. So um yeah, slight cause for concern, I'd say. I mean, you know he's he's not a twinkle toes, I think, but he is playing tennis. I hear. Perhaps his his forehands and his backhands will um, help him evade some some pressure. Probably not. Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably not. I I love the pained manner in which you talk about Kirk Cousins. It's one of my favorite things. It's like, well, you know, he can't really move and will frustrate you at times. I mean, but he's he, he but he's capable of some really good things. Yeah. But it's 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 a touch of the sublime to the ridiculous, isn't it? It it, it seems he can do all the hard stuff. It's the it's the basics that he just <laughs> and he's he's just so hittable. You want you want to you want to you want an elusive quarterback. He's not your guy, but he's capable of some great throws. That, and I think that that's what makes him one of the most frustrating is that mm. uh, you know that at any given week he is capable, but you could also just have that Kirk coaster type of moment where it you know goes right back down and you get Chicago and we know the teams that are going to beat the Vikings like the types of teams who have those guys and that's why you said Mm. all right why not get a bigger offensive lineman to start right away Uh, get someone a free agent market or start Ezra Cleveland but it doesn't look like he's going to start and you're going to end up at least to start the season with just about the same level of offensive line unless Garrett Bradbury takes a huge step forward, which, you know, I mean, should we expect him to be better? Yes, but probably and, not worlds better in terms of pass block. And Riley Reef de- defies old father time as well, which, you know, I'm, I'm not a gambling man, but I wouldn't be putting any money on that either. They were playing Cleveland, uh, Cleveland at guard, weren't they? Left guard. Correct. And still still are, but with the third team in practice now, which kind of suggests he's not in the mix for a starting job. And Elf lines at right guard. Yes, which everyone's thrilled about. <laughs> Including him. <laughs> yeah, my Twitter mentions and uh, the comments on the website are not exactly glowing when it comes to him playing the right guard. Let's talk about the Delvin Cook thing, though. Um, you know, I... I the longer this goes, the more you think there's a chance that he just plays into the season without a contract extension, which would be kind of shocking considering that the Vikings go out of their way to pay everyone that they like all the time. But I wonder, though, if things have changed a little bit with the way that they feel about this because there isn't the desperation that they felt after 2017. We've got to keep all our players. We, we've, we're going back to the Super Bowl. That's why we're going to go back to the NFC Championship. So we've got to keep everybody, pay everybody. And I wonder if they just feel like this is a, more of a transition year and they don't have to jump at the first type of uh, you know, contract that his side wants. I, I was very surprised that in their 27 draft picks, they didn't pick a running back. Matt, you know, the front, first two are great. Boone... He, he's okay, and then and then you've got Abdullah. But, you know, there were a lot of decent running backs in that draft, and you could have got – you could have had a really strong stable. And if if Cook gets injured, which, you know, by the law of averages, he will this season, Matt, yeah, great, play him more. But, but then, then what are you dealing with? You know, we're already – we're already looking at the, the offensive line, which was – they were, but they were arguably better at run blocking than you know than, than 
than the past. But oh, you know, if 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 Cook oh, anyway, yeah. If, I mean, it, it's all if and buts anyway, isn't it? If 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 Cousins gets injured, they're screwed. But if <laughs> you know. I, I don't know. I I I think that running backs have such a they're just they're just cannon fodder, aren't they? I mean, you they you, you get them, you pick them up, you chew them up, you use them. Is there any? He had a great year last year, but is he is he going to be motivated to do that again this year? And if he has that, you know, if he has that injury, which he always does, is he going to play through it? And it's such a tricky one when you when you have a a, a player like that that you know is so important to you, but also. <laughs> Is going to take up so much of your cap. Would you pay him? My inclination would be no, but I would have I would have drafted a running back certainly in the third or the fourth round, even the fifth. I mean, you know. I do wonder if they thought that this would get taken care of. Like if they were thinking, well, he's going to be our long term guy. So and, the, and drafting Alexander Madison was a little bit of maybe he's the guy who. You know, not this year, but in 2019, you know, maybe he's the guy that takes over if there's any issues with Delvin Cook. Um, but it's a it's a hard spot to be in when you look forward with the salary cap and think, okay, there is going to be some movement here. Uh, maybe you cut Riley Reef after next year. Ezra Cleveland starts at left tackle. More likely than not, that happens, and you can restructure deals and so forth. But now, when you have a salary cap that's going down you have more reason if you're the Vikings to say, is it really prudent? Like, do we have this cap space to throw around when <laughs> there will be other deals, especially Daniil Hunters, that I think that <laughs> need to be readdressed by the yeah. team because he is vastly underpaid. So, and, you know, cannon fodder is a great way to describe running backs. You just, you know, they you bring him in two, three years, Chew all right, out. get out of here, move him on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm not even sure that that's the wrong approach because teams that have paid running backs have had so many problems with doing it later down the road. Yeah, um, and and wouldn't you, because of that, it's like cornerbacks. You can never have enough of them, surely. Why would you not draft one? Why not get one on a rookie con? You know, it just... Anyway, perhaps I'm, <laughs> perhaps I'm too critical, but, you know, it, 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 it seems like a no-brainer to, to pick up a guy that... You know, you can use like Madison last year, or a little less than Madison, and and because they're, they're always going to get injured, aren't they? Your pawns. Yep, almost every single time. Um, but you know, maybe they like Mike Boone. He's been in the system a couple of years. I I don't know what to make of Mike Boone. It's funny when you look at his football reference, and he averaged over five yards a carry. Like, when was that? Uh, when, week Week Seventeen is kind of when it was against the Chicago team okay. that had just kind of and and had enough. I wonder what you think about about that, about the uh, NFC North, because I love talking about the division. Detroit is a fascinating team because their coach is bad, but their players are good, and their offense was really good last year at the beginning of the season, and then they add a bunch of talent on the defensive side. They have all the earmarks of a team that takes a big jump, but yet it's just the Detroit Lions, and I have a really tough time you know, it, it would be almost like uh, someone sent me a weather analogy. If it was, you know, sunny 50 days in a row, you would guess the 51st, it wouldn't rain, right? I mean, it's possible that it does, but, you know, if you're the Detroit Lions and you're terrible for years and years and years and years and you have a schmuck coach, like, am I, am I supposed to believe that all of a sudden you flip on the switch and they're a 10-6, and 11-5 team? That, that's really hard for me. 
Yeah, and, and, and the Bears, the way that they fell off a cliff last year, all right, they lost Hicks, but Nagy didn't exactly cover himself with glory for a lot of last season. I, I know that he's sort of the, the he's got their hex over Zimmer and they'll probably beat, us, beat the Vikings twice again this year because that's just what they seem to do. But then you've got Green Bay with their interesting quarterback situation and their lack of receivers, but their pretty strong defensive defensive front, which... <laughs> You know, certainly when they can, you line them up against the Vikings' offensive line, you know that could yeah. be a painful opener. Yeah, uh, and without fans in the stands to impact without the game fans in in any way. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of? Because we haven't caught up and talked football in such a long time. What did you think of uh, what the Packers did in the draft and whether they can be a really good team again? They're not going to be thirteen and three, but whether they can win the division again? They can, but because they've got Rodgers, you know, the probably, you know, head and sh- head and shoulders, is that fair? The best quarterback in that division? I really like Stafford. He's a t- I really, he's so tough, Stafford. But I think Rodgers used to be, but has come back to the past. He's coming, he's coming back down, but, but he's if you, still... If you had a game where you had to win a million dollars and you could only pick one of the NFC North quarterbacks to it's win Rogers, it, isn't it? there's no question who you pick to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. And he can't do it forever. A very strange decision. I thought I think that whole draft was was unusual. I mean, let's 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 annoy Aaron Rodgers. It was, was seemed to be what. Let's not give him any receivers and let's draft your replacement. Let's you know, let's 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 do repeat what we did 15 years ago with Favre. Very very strange. And and that 13 and three, they weren't a 13 and three team. You know, they were what 11 and five team. They got lucky in a couple. Of, you know. Yes, there were a lot of, uh, right, a lot of instances you could point to where he said, should they really, even the game against the Vikings, like, should he really have won that game? Uh, If they hand off to Delvin Cook, they probably don't win that game. And if Kirk doesn't decide to throw it, you know, uh, into the back of the end zone for an interception, then you probably come away with a huge blown lead for the Green Bay Packers in that game rather than a win. And they got a bunch of other breaks along the way. So they didn't have a lot of the, um, I guess, the statistical points that you would see from other 13-3 teams in terms of their point differential, how much they beat teams by, things like that. The quality of their wins um, was not super impressive. But you mentioned that they have the kryptonite. They have exactly what hurts the Vikings the most, which is Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark and Preston Smith. And those three guys, they won both games for the, for the Packers last year. So you can't just say, oh, well, the Vikings you know, can, can beat them out. Do you have the Vikings as the uh, division winner, though? Because I think it's a hard question. I'm not sure that I do. Okay, so it starts off with hopefully a, a week one win. Then they'll play the Colts, who are the Xavier Rhodes game. The, Colts <laughs> the Xavier Rhodes. I I really like um, Frank Reich, but the the Colts have made some really surprising signings. So uh, let's 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 uh, all things being well, two and zero. Now the Titans, the Titans did the Titans impressed me last year. So I think that's a loss. I'm afraid to say. Ah, oh, then 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 the lovely old Bill O'Brien gifts the Vikings a win. That's three and one. Sean Watson is still their quarterback, uh, even if he was not given any help. I'm just saying. He is, but Bill O'Brien is still their head coach, and and the idiocy of that man outweighs (laughs) the genius of the other. Uh, Seahawks, that's a loss, I'm afraid. Falcons, hmm. 
I love that you just decided to start picking the schedule. That is a consistent bit on the show, as you know. So what have you yeah, got them at uh, now since we're doing this? I've got four and two. We're gonna. They always beat Atlanta, so uh, apart from when it matters. Uh, <laughs> Packers after the bye. Um, at, I think that's a loss, four and three. Home to Detroit, five and three. At Chicago Bears, five and four. Oh, <laughs> the Everson Griffin game. At, uh, Chicago. Sorry? You can't ever win at Chicago. It's just like no. you, you can never put a W there. If they do it, I mean, it's not impossible, but. Case Keenum uh, did. Yeah, he did. But you, he got a little help from Mitch Trubisky in that one. He certainly did. I think five and five, lost to the Cowboys. Oh, and then there's Bridgewater. Week 12 comes back to town. This is an emotional season for Mike Zimmer. <laughs> All these old favorites coming back to him. Carolina, mm, McCaffrey. <laughs> I think Carolina are going to win that. I've lost where I am. Am uh, I five and six? You should six? be at Jacksonville at five and six. So, uh, you know, this is a one of my favorite games to talk about already is the game against Carolina because it's it's just like classic Vikings to lose to Teddy Bridgewater. They get rid of him because they think his knee doesn't work anymore and that he'll never recover, and then he does and he comes back and beats you. It just has – It's, it's, this is, it's this written, is, isn't it? This is one thing that you are a master of. Like you have such great command of the Minnesota Viking way of looking at everything, and I respect that. Well – the Carolina Panthers seem to be the uh, the Vikings reserve team, don't they? The yes. the Norv Turner, the uh, Jarius Wright, the Captain Munlin, who was arrested for writing bad checks. But this this need to see it. It does have countless countless um, former Vikings that that seem to join the Panthers. Um, I've lost where I am. I, I, so you're I, five and six against Jacksonville, which has got to be a win. That's a win, yeah. Oh, and then it's Brady, bloody. That's that's a loss. So, and then the Bears at home, they might win that. Oh God, it's New Orleans. What? So it's basically seven and nine, isn't it? I'm thinking something like that. There have been a lot of different opinions on where this will end up. Uh, our friends at Pro Football Focus, who are you are well aware of, they have it more in the seven and nine type of range. And yeah. uh, but others, uh, Courtney Cronin. Bill yeah. Barnwell, who was on the show, thinking more okay. in the 10 and 6 range, mm. in part because the division, well, interesting, is not super compelling. Like not if good. you were in the NFC South or if the NFC West, you might be looking be at and say, right, yeah, that you would you yeah. would be looking at 7 and 9. But can you beat Nick Foles? Probably with the Bears, not so much with the Eagles, but with the Bears <laughs> you can. Um, can you beat Detroit? They usually do. They um, usually do, yeah. Right, I've been harsh, of, so let's up it. Let's let's go eight and eight. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Let's now split the, the Lions games. The, the part about going eight and eight this year is that they are going to let seven teams into the playoffs now. So you could go eight and eight and end up making oh, the playoffs. What a terrible decision that is. Yes, oh, I'd forgotten yeah, about awful. that. I. I mean, I like more football, so it's gonna have we're gonna have more football. But it lowers the qual- It lowers. Yeah. Just keep it as it is. They did it. They did it with soccer in the European Championships. There was sixteen teams, and then it went up to twenty-four, and it's never been as good. Yeah, and uh, the twenty eighteen Vikings that went eight seven and one would have made the playoffs in the current <laughs> system, which that was not particularly a playoff team. So you've got you've got them in eight and eight. It I was their year. <laughs> I won't have you pick the uh, other team's schedules, but eight and eight puts them where? You think it? You think it puts them second, third in the division? Second or third? Yeah, I mean, the bears. The bears aren't any good. I mean, you're t- 
well, they are, but they've just got they've got a hopeless quarterback and a and a coach who is is McVeigh light, isn't he? And we've all seen what happened to McVeigh. Yeah, you could say that, or a wannabe Andy Reid, or I don't know. I mean, it, I, I wonder how much is the coach and how much is the quarterback, uh, because if yeah. you gave... But if you've got know, both of them, you, you're screwed, so... Right, yeah. If you, I just think if you gave Bill Walsh Mitch Trubisky, it just wouldn't matter, because he can't throw accurately and is bad at football. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not sure how much it is. But I also think that they didn't put Trubisky in the best situations. He had one of the lowest rates of play action in the NFL, which is very weird since play action mm. pumps up every quarterback, including Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. So that's not good coaching to, to take a bad quarterback and then make his job even harder to straight drop back pass, which our buddy Sage Rosenfels talks about as the hardest thing to do as a uh-huh. quarterback. Here's another question for you. How did you end up being a Vikings fan? Okay, so when I was when I went to university in my first year after in my first year of university, there was a scheme that you could take part in, which was it was called BUNAC, and you could get a short-term work visa in America. So you paid four hundred pounds, which would have been I don't know, probably about two hundred and fifty dollars, and that included your flights out. One at night's accommodation in New York, your flights back, and this visa. I went out to Minneapolis and I worked oh. in this company, and we were that unoriginal that we we because there were loads of people that would go in like holiday camps and get paid like three dollars an hour and get abused by rich American children and go, this was the best time ever cooking marshmallows for absolute n- not a chance in hell I'm going to do that. So we ended up working for this company called Skyway Event Services, and they paid us sod all money. I, we lasted a day because I nearly died. The, it was dismantling a marquee, and there's a big metal structure in the marquee, six of them, and the fifth one slipped. Everyone got out of the way, and it landed on the stake with me underneath it. And we said, we're not doing this anymore. So then we ended up working downtown in Minneapolis uh, for Rust Consulting uh, at informing people who had been lit um it was a class action lawsuit and we were talking to loads of people from alabama and louisiana and they couldn't understand us and we couldn't understand them on the phone <laughs> but it was working 10 to 6 for fourteen fifty an hour which was a hell of a lot of money when your rent was one hundred oh, sure. a month yeah great how long so did this go on for how long did you do that uh it was may until september and so you picked up being a Vikings fan then? Yeah, I, I sort of became friends with a group of friends who I'm still friends with to this day. I'm just going to say the word friends a lot. Yeah, it's okay. It's a good um, show in America. And <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm, uh, I, I, I came back, when was it? I, I, I've been more times than I could possibly, and they've come here. My first game was a 2003 preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. There you go. Yeah. And I've stuck it out since then. How about that? In two, yeah. Yeah, and then they, so there you go. That, that's what that's that's the a long version. And and you got to see them in a majestic game against Deshaun Kaiser in 2017, which is was yes. I'm sure you're always your dream. And uh, the the Browns, I mean, full circle. Yeah, it, it, it is, and I think I've said before the. That's that's what really screwed up that year because Everson Griffin that's right playing. Yeah, that's right. Why why he was out there on the last play of the game, I don't know. I love that I asked. I'm so glad that I asked because that was 
a lot in that story of how you became a Vikings fan. I never knew. Yeah. I, we uh, we yeah. met in 2016 when you came over to write something for, I want to say, Pro Football Focus magazine, which probably doesn't exist anymore. It was. It didn't anymore. last very long, yeah. And then, yeah. And, then and also Gridiron, a, a, a UK magazine, which is still going, neither of which I, I still write for. But, yeah, that was it, was it was pretty much – it wasn't four years ago to the day, but mm, four weeks and three – Anyway, almost four years ago, yeah. Well, Peter, it's uh, always great to catch up with you. You can follow him on on Twitter, at Peter Carline, um, if you're interested in things happening in England and the occasional (laughs) occasional Vikings tweet. (laughs) Basically it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, basically. All right, so we'll we'll catch up again throughout the season, and we will get your your very reasoned takes and often uh, (laughs) self-deprecating takes on uh, what's going on with the Vikings. So appreciate you all listening to whatever just happened there on uh, Purple Insider. (laughs) Hi, my name is Bobby Peters, and I've recently written a book titled The 2017 New England Patriots Pass Game Manual. If you've ever wondered what makes the New England Patriots offense, specifically their pass game, so successful over the years, this book is for you. The book breaks down in detail the schemes the Patriots use by concept. Each concept is broken down into its different variations, its statistical usage based on down and distance, and the important coaching points for how each route is run and how the quarterback reads the play. The book is available now on Amazon. Get your copy today. Did somebody say playoffs, NBA, and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered? Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall. There's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props there. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.